Just give me a minute to get to the. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. This is August the 8th. This is the first hour lecture. And the title of the lecture, uh, I hope, will inspire you to follow me with certain thinking. We're going to be talking about what the writings talk about, the two kingdoms and the three heavens. All right, now that's the title. But uh, I'm not expecting that I'm going to clear, clear up every single thing there is about two kingdoms and three heavens. What I want to do is I want to start the process so that you'll think about it and add to it throughout your life. So my goal is to, to plant the seed and hope that the Lord will water it and it will grow and develop. All right, I want to uh, start out by saying, uh, asking a question to this group. And please put your hand up and, and respond. If you were asked to say which was more important, love or truth, what would you answer? Now, while you're thinking, I'm going to read. I went online and I put that question to Google and up popped two answers diametrically opposed to one another. Here's what one answer was. All of my experiences in life have taught me one simple thing. That is, truth is above everything else. I know it's tempting to choose love, but believe me, truth is a bitter medicine which will bring the greatest degree of happiness. Love is just an inhibitor which will keep unhappiness at bay, but not for long. So I always say to myself, be truthful, give your, at least the choice, and truthfulness will bring you the most positive results. Okay, did you hear that? I didn't make that up. That's a quote. So for that, this person, truth is the most important thing. Right under that, there was an article entitled, Love is the Most Important Thing. Love is what we live for and is truly the most important thing in our lives. The real mark of greatness is shown through love's action of kindness, compassion, helpfulness, and caring. If love is in our heart, let it live there to motivate, guide, heal, influence ourselves and others. Let's all be focused on love. In our culture, we tend to think of love as being mushy and weak, even helpless. But I tend to think that love is the thing that keeps us from being superficial. Okay? Two points of view. One says, for me, truth is it. Be done with that soft, mushy love stuff. The other person says, love for me is what's going to make us great. All right, now the question. How many want to vote for either one of those? Or, and then the last vote is for neither one. Okay, how many want to vote that truth is the most important thing in life? Awesome, not a single hand goes up on that one. How many think love is the most important thing? Okay, we got maybe half of the people here, and then there are a couple going like that. Okay, who wants to vote for neither one? 
All right. We, well, the writings talk about the fact that we can't have one without the other. Yes, sir. Inseparable. Okay. That, how many think they're inseparable? Good question. Good, good. Uh, I like this quote from TCR. Every love has a purpose. All wisdom moves towards fulfilling that purpose. Does that sound like a, a pretty good blending kind of a thing that the one needs the other? So uh, I want us uh, as to, to listen to this last quote before I go to this chart and this chart. But I found this quote in the Arcana, and it put me to a little bit of thinking. It says here, Truth is never conjoined with good by its own power. So in other words, truth can't come in and say, I'm going to force my way in on my own power. But the power for them to merge is from the Lord which may be seen from the fact that all good and truth flow into us from the Lord, and that all reformation and all regeneration comes from the Lord, and that man does not know one wit. I love that word, one wit, and here's what one wit means. Not one scrap, not one bit, not one iota, not one crumb, not one mite. It just can't be done. We can't do it by our own. But with us knowing that love and wisdom need to combine and make a one, and, and we turn to the Lord, we've got great chance of being extremely successful. So if I were to say my purpose of presenting this talk to you is to be an encourager, that we not take a stand that truth is more important than love uh, or that love's more important than truth, but that we be dedicated to turn to the Lord and say, I know one whit of nothing uh, how to do this. However, I am turning to you and I will be a faithful servant. And that's why I love that little quote this morning from Isaiah. The Lord says, I want to come and reveal things. Now, it may sound like you have a stammering tongue. Remember that? However, it'll be precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. No matter how small and insignificant our efforts may seem to us, the Lord's going to turn them into that wonderful mustard seed that grows up and get so large that the birds come and build the nest in that mustard seed. I mean, all of that. And the Lord says, you know, don't get caught up with the fact that you've got to build an independent uh, list. Uh, go every day doing the little things that come to us with the Lord's help. And so let's become builders where, where every love in us has a purpose. And every wisdom in, in us moves towards fulfilling that purpose. Now, uh, there's a wonderful... I hope I can stay within... Okay. Uh, there are two kingdoms. By the way, what does the word kingdom do to you in terms of uh, bringing a thought? Kingdom. What does that say to you? For those that come from... An association of people. Well, kingdom means there's a king. Uh, and so uh, this, this is talking about there is in this kingdom of the celestial, the Lord. There is in this kingdom of the spiritual, the Lord. 
and he's going to be the builder, the merger, the, the supporter, and things of that kind. So our, the church teachings are very clear. There are two kingdoms. The Lord rules love. He rules truth. And he's going to be the merger. And, and that's, I think, encouraging so that I don't think, I, I don't want to be caught up with, I've got to do it all by myself. I've got a Lord, and yesterday I was talking about the fact, of, I say there were 108 trillion people since the beginning of creation. I picked that number because it's such a large one. But the, the t- teaching is the Lord is a matcher. He is a fixer. He will blend us. And in this process, His love and His wisdom will work magnificently. All right, now we're going to open this because we're going to look at the three kingdoms. I mean, the three uh, heavens, celestial, spiritual, and natural. And Lois was, was great yesterday going around with a camera, taking pictures that might illustrate motivated by love. And she found two youngins sitting on the couch. Anybody recognize who these might be? And look at that hug. I mean, do you not get motivated by love by looking at the innocence and, and things of their that that? Those two young people, absolutely beautiful. It, it touches the heart. Motivated by truth. There's somebody else I think someone will know. Martha, who would that be? <laughs> That's your husband, David. Sitting there with the book. With the Bible. With the Bible. And what is represented there? Motivated by truth. And then this last one, can you read what's on the board there? It says, do not litter. And there's a certain uh, person here. My, uh, Ryan. Who? That's Ryan. And he's down picking up trash. And it's to represent being motivated by obedience. Can you see? That? The Lord is saying every day he wants us to be motivated by love. Motivated by the truth. And motivated by obedience. Uh, that's not a hard agenda. That's little by little, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. So here we have the two kingdoms, celestial and spiritual. And then when we enter in and are motivated by the three heavens, what we are to looking at is celestial, spiritual, and natural. Now I want to talk a little bit about those who are in the celestial. Uh, There are a couple of uh, quotes in the Arcana that I absolutely love. It says, when we're growing up and we're trying to study this word, we're not going to be able to understand every single thing that's in here. There's just no way that any of us can exhaust truth. Because we're going to be studying this to eternity and we will never exhaust everything that's in it. So I'm willing to go step by step with the Lord, hand in hand with Him. And do, do any of you remember when you were a child, it told a story about uh, children that came to Him while He was teaching, and, and uh, the disciples were trying to shush them away, and the Lord said, Let the children come unto Me, and forbid them not. And He picked them up, and put them on His lap, and He touched them. And I want to take it a step further. I bet you he even kissed them on their forehead. 
I love that as picture. I, I remember in Sunday school sitting there saying, man, I wish I had been there as a child. I would have wanted the Lord to pick. Well, the Lord picks me up every day. Does, does he, do you have the feeling he picks you up every day and puts you on his lap and he touches you and, and encourages you? So uh, the celestial are this. Because it's in the word, it's true. And why is it true? Because the Lord said it. You know, those who wrote and, and recorded the things in here were taught they didn't even know what it was that they were writing. They were inspired by the Lord so that they wrote down what they heard and felt in their heart. And so they were taking it directly from the Lord. I like what Swedenborg says. He says, I have not written a thing that I have learned from people or angels, but from the Lord alone. That was not a, a bragging statement. I think he was simply trying to say, I don't want to be one of those naysayers. I don't want to be the person that says, ah, oh, couldn't have happened. I mean, walk on water? Oh, yeah, I, Peter did walk briefly on water, but you remember what happened? He took his eyes off the Lord and began to sink immediately. But, you know, uh, the celestial heaven believes it because the Lord said it, and I'm not going to quibble, and I'm not going to become uh, a doubter. So what we're told about the angels that live there, and I want to read some of the quotes that, that are written here. Just bear with me. Uh, the celestial angels have a dominant love to and for the Lord. The Lord said it. And because the Lord said it, I believe it, say the angels. If our, my love isn't foolproof, if I don't have answers, I'm not going to be a criticizer, sarcastic, or full of doubts. That's what happens in that celestial. I'm so glad that they're there. Now, uh, once in a while I say, will I ever be in the celestial heaven? Uh, I think I'll be happy if I make it into the natural heaven. Well, I don't think that's what the Lord wants me to do. He wants me day by day not to become a criticizer, a doubter. Now, I love this thing. They know that their love doesn't have foolproof answers. Celestial doesn't mean being infallible. Because there's only one person who's infallible, and that's the Lord. However, they're motivated to follow the Lord's uh, teachings where he said, let your answer be yay, yay, or nay, nay. I often pondered that. How can I only say yes, yes, or no, no? But uh, the, the celestial heavens are made up of those who are willing to back the Lord. You, we have an expression, I have your back. You know, does that mean anything to anybody, I have your back? It means somebody's going to be behind you and support it. The Lord has got our back. And so, as the celestial heavens are, uh, they, they want to be motivated by the Lord's love. And back to this, every love has a purpose. And all of the wisdom is moving us toward fulfilling that purpose. So the celestial angels are there. I also love the fact that uh, we're taught that angels love us so much that they say to, when we make a mistake, they say, they're only human. Yeah, uh, and they don't say that, you know, sort of like to 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 
make fun of. They say that they're only human. And I also love the one that says angels love us so much that they, and I quoted this yesterday, but it's worth saying, they say, I wish I could take some of the hurt and the pain away from you, and I love you so much I'd be even willing to die for you. What a wonderful celestial love that is, a caring for us that that much. Uh, Moving on. I want to look next at this chart, and I need to move this one just briefly, and I'm coming back to this. Uh, We have a wonderful teaching in the Divine Love and Wisdom, number 187, that says there's a right way to approach good and truth, and there's a wrong way to approach good and truth. The wrong way is to try to think, I'm going to, and I'm going to, uh, all of these terms are related. The Lord says He's first, He's the love, He's in our soul, He's our substance, He's our essay or our being, He's our good. And it, everything needs to flow this way. And you, if you notice, I have the red arrow. This is the right way to proceed. Uh, A lot of times we go by effects. We get so caught up in being influenced by effects and the writings say, no, that's the wrong way. You need to start from love, looking to wisdom, looking to use. So we need to learn to start thinking. Now, I always love to do this little chart. I don't know if anybody can relate to it. I like to talk about the soap factory. Soap factory to me has this substance in it called liquid soap. Okay? Out of that soap factory, there are two plugs because the use of soap is one is going to be able to produce the flakes, you know, this, the powdered soap that's in the box. One is going to come out where it makes the soap bar. And one's going to come out where it's going to make the ivory or whatever you use that's liquid. Same substance, but the need it, it, it will describe what form it's to take. So we have substance and form. So I want to turn to the Lord every day where I tap into his substance. He's the first. I want him to then help me make out what I'm going to use it for so that in the effect, it is either flakes, bar, or liquid. Does that make any sense? Every day, we need to turn to the Lord's substance and dependent on the use that we're performing, we'll describe what the form will be. So I would love us to be the kind of people that come and study the Word. And it's true because the Lord said it's true. I'm His servant. I want Him to help me move in the right direction to move from His love to His wisdom to His use. And I also like this this, uh, little, uh, there's essay, which is uh, the Lord's being. Existra is the becoming, and existence is, is what extension. So every day, we need to get to this uh, thought in our, in our chart 
I want the celestial angels to touch me, motivate me by love. I want to study the Word where I'm motivated by truth. And I want to be obedient as best I can. Now, every once in a while, I can't help but to be a rebel. You can't help but to be a little bit of a rebel. But so we need to, to have this concept of the two kingdoms, the celestial and the spiritual, and they're working. Love and wisdom is trying to come into our lives, and it's trying to touch us, it's trying to mold us, it's trying to inspire us. Precept upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And so uh, as, as we're gathered here, I want us to have in us a kind of a feeling of, yeah, I get a little bit rebelish. I mean, you know, there's a part in me that when the Lord says zig, I want to zag. You ever get there? So, uh, there? In the military, I, one of the things I was taught was we have built in us command resistance. I'll never forget. You know, if I say jump, you'll say sit. If I say run, you'll say walk. I mean, why is it that we, we have this? Does anybody have an answer to that question? Why do we have this little thing of command resistance in us? Freedom. Freedom. We, we want to feel as though we're, uh, you know, having a part in this. But uh, so we have to, you know, I think stop some once in a while like we're doing in this lecture and say, okay, there are two kingdoms, love and wisdom. And those two have these three heavens, celestial, spiritual, and natural, love, truth, and obedience. How important is that obedience? Um, part of the, and I, I don't want to sound like a military guy, but part of the thing is a basic training. I look back at it, oh my goodness, basic training, which was about eight weeks long, where everything that I did was monitored by this drill instructor. You know, uh, they, they were trying to get us to move from asking why to how high. In other words, if they said jump, you don't say why, you say how high. Well, I think the Lord is in a way trying to get us to follow him so that we say, this is his word, I believe it because it comes from the Lord. These are the writings, and, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to do when I first discovered the church, I was trying to, did you know I met Lois, and I found out she belonged to this crazy church called the Swedenborgian Church, and I went, her mother, who was as clever as could be, got me what was called a starter set of the writings. Instead of the full 30 volumes, uh, I think it had about 15 volumes. One of the sets she gave me was True Christian Religion, which I was interested in, in the concept of the Trinity. So I was reading what the writings were saying for the idea that I was going to disprove them and convert this little heathen. <laughs> I ended up converting myself. Uh, because I, as a child, had been in Sunday school, and I never quite knew when the question was asked, who did this, whether to say God, Jesus, or, you know, whatever. I was so confused, and, and I'd talk to my Sunday school teachers and say, can you explain this? And, and their answer was, it's a mystery. Someday when we're in heaven, the Lord will explain it all, 
But I had that little thing I wanted, and when I read True Christian Religion and I heard the answers, uh, I was hooked immediately. So, you, you know, I, I love this idea that those celestial angels who are absolutely hugging the life out of us, they love us deeply, want to motivate us by the Lord's love. And, and sitting and being reflective. Now, you all know I'm retired, ha-ha. Um, but every day I get up and I read the Word, and every day my goal is when I find a jewel or a gem, I go to my little uh, Facebook and I share the gem. And my rule is the gem that I'm going to share is not going to be negative, it's not going to be political, it's not going to be the latest latte I drank at Starbucks, it's going to be about that jewel and gem I found in the Lord's Word. And it is so much fun, friends to be a sharer. And, uh, you know, uh, this is not a brag. I started out with 20 people that I was sharing these jewels with. And my list is up to over 700 now. So it's not George that's doing it. But I think what it is, is those celestial angels are showing, helping to show me those little gems that I want to share. And it's motivated by sitting down in my office, wherever I am, to find the gem and then to share it and hope that it will help motivate people to be obedient. So, uh, you know, knowing about love, wisdom, not getting argued. You, you remember, uh, this just came to you. Remember the story about Jacob and Esau? What was the, what was the thrust of that story about Jacob and Esau? Do you remember? It was that one was born before the other and would get the inheritance. And who was going to be, who was going to get the blessing? And who was not happy with that? Uh, his mother. His mother, Rebecca. So she started that little game of uh, Esau was what? Was he? Uh, uh, hairy. He was a hairy, ruddy complexion hunter. And so what did she do so that Jacob could take on the appearance of Esau? She put the, some, some something, because uh, the father was going blind, so she put stuff on his arms that made it appear as though he was a hairy man. And, and so the deception worked. So here, and, and I love what the writings say, that story about Jacob and Esau is to remind us that for ages, people have been arguing which is most important, love or wisdom. I have that one circled in the, you know, it's an age-old story that is still continuing to this day, which is more important, love or wisdom. And, and so, but, okay, so Jacob fled for his life after the deception was completed, and he was out in the wilderness, and it says a wind was swirling around him, and he was lacking food, and all of a sudden, in the midst of that turmoil, the Lord shows up in his memory and says, Jacob, you are the apple of my eye. Man, you talk about touching. Here he is, deception, running for his life because Esau's trying to find him to wipe him out. 
And he's in this swirling, and out of nowhere the Lord comes and says, Jacob, you're the apple of my eye. I'm touched by that. And because there are, uh, I think, five other places in the Word where that phrase, you are the apple of my eye. So I think the Lord is trying to get the message across through the celestial to, to uh, not have us give up, to be motivated, and, and to begin to be obedient. Uh, I am at the point where I need to stop, and I'm going to say, so what? <laughs> so what? Why do, you know, have, have I in any way maybe motivated, uh, and this chart, which uh, I made up, and Lois and another friend helped me put it together, but I like to have my talk be, I want to be the kind of person that moves in the right way, going from love to wisdom to use. I do not want to do it where I go from use to wisdom and love. Wrong way. We're going to end up with the wrong conclusions. So I hope I've whetted your appetite on this subject of two kingdoms and three heavens. Please contribute. Well, on your chart there, I just want to mention that, you know, you kind of, it goes to use and it stops. But I've always experienced it as being a spiral. Okay. Because, and I'll use it, <clears throat> use as an example, learning, learning how to play a musical instrument. You love it, you learn how to play it. The more you play it, the more you love it, and the more you learn, and the more you experience it. And it cycles back when we are, when, when, our, when the effect is fulfilled, it inspires greater love. And, and yesterday, remember I, I told you about that, uh, I love children's songs. Do any of you can still sing, Jesus loves me, this I know? I love that song. Uh, but uh, the, the thing, I'm, I'm, and thank you for mentioning that, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and hear. And it's saying, exact, the more I love something, the more I do it, the more I hear, the more I see its application. And, and so, yes, thank you for that, that circle and cycle needs to continue. Yes? I, love, I think that's exactly what, what Suzanne said, was that it is, and he talks, Tulliver talks about spirals and gyros that go up. So it's that you love to do the right thing, you read the word to find out how to do it from truth, and then you carry it out. And look what's happening, you're going up. And then you do again, you love something, you look for the truth, how to do it, and then you carry it out. And the whole time that you're making, it, it doesn't seem like it, but you're going up a small stairway that's lifting you higher and higher closer to the Lord. There's also a downward spiral that works the other way. And we just want to be careful we're not on that one. So, uh, I, I, friends, I, you know, we're here. You're here because Freiburg means something to you. You come back year after year. Uh, but I want this... Uh, our thinking to be where we're here for the first thing, moving to the middle thing, so that it, it, we're applying it to our life, the spiral going up. And if you stop that spiral at any one spot, you could say that's the beginning. So if you are loving to do the right thing and you stop there, you say love is more important. If you're searching the truth to how to carry out that love, you would say that's the first thing in the beginning. And if, it, I mean, it depends on where you stop the spiral. Yeah. Anybody have a child story uh, that uh, you, you remember where you got into a discussion with one of your little kids and they come up with something that just absolutely is so simplistic and beautiful that you... I have a story from my mother, Mrs. Walton, who loved 
Freiburg and brought me here as a child. And I can remember that has something to do with which is love, wisdom, and use. I said to her, which is more important, love or wisdom? And she said to me, well, my dear, I will tell you that as a parent, truth sometimes has to come first. And I said, why is that? She said, because if I just love you and you want lollipops all day, I would give you lollipops all day because I love you. But truth comes and I learned nutrition and I learned that lollipops aren't good for you all day. <laughs> so the truth leads me to do you a better, you know, lead you better to see other things that you should enjoy and then that's real loving. So I thought that was a wonderful lesson that she was teaching me. Okay. Well, so what didn't seem to spiral uh, uh, gets you kicked in here, but maybe uh, the thing I, I, I'm not trying to fill in time, but what I like about this celestial spiritual uh, thing, the two kingdoms, love and wisdom working in absolute harmony because that's the Lord working together to bring. And, and I, I'm so glad Lois took this picture uh, of, of this, the love here and uh, the reading and reflecting and the obeying. Uh, we, we, need, we need this thing called obedience with the Lord. So, thank you for listening. I'm not going to prolong this. Maybe you'll get a little, as, as you said, get a little longer time around the coffee pot. And, yes, sir. Torek. So, can we get into this obedience? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, in every argument, there are two people who are right. In an argument? There are two people who are right. Uh-huh. It's called an argument. Oh, okay. In every war, there are two groups who have been trained, as you said, by their militaries to overcome their resistance to command. Understandable. So there's got to be something a little more sophisticated going on here to know which command is healthy to overcome one's resistance to. So I wondered if you would talk about that process. Okay. Because you went through it yourself, right? You had a certain, what, what were, you were a chaplain in another um, tradition, and then you read Swedenborg, and your command kind of shifted. So could you, could you um, share if you remember how that happened for you? How did you switch your sense of overcoming? All right, I hope this, this maybe comes to what you're asking. Uh, when I was a kid, from the time I, I went to Sunday school, I went to a vacation daily Bible school, I mean, uh, I drove my teachers crazy because I was mischievous. However, I listened to every word they said. Uh, I could, uh, when they, at the end of the year, they would have a, uh, a, a competition asking the children questions about the lessons. Time after time, I'd walk away winning the prize. And my teachers would be absolutely astounded that A, I had listened, and B, I had retained. And then uh, I got into junior high school, uh, I had wanted to be a minister. 
And it was not cool to say when somebody, you know, the uh, proverbial question, what are you going to do when you get out of school? And it was not cool in my mind to say, I want to be a minister. I did everything possible to avoid that. But finally, when I was in the military for the first time, I was out on a flight line, and it was a miserable night. We were unloading, loading this aircraft, and uh, I was tired. <clears throat> and I said to myself, someday I'm going to get married, and my children are going to say to me, Dad, what did you do in the military? And am I going to be happy to say I pushed boxes on the plane, I carried boxes off the plane? Uh, and I said, my heart of hearts says I want to be a minister. I love to tell the story. And, and, and so I made the commitment that when I got finished that first tour of duty, the four years, I was going to go into college, into theological school, and I was going to come back as a military chaplain to share the experience. I can remember that resistance I had melting down with a commitment, I'm going to become obedient to that which I felt as a child and wanted as... So uh, I don't know if that, that... That was just what was going on in me. I finally recognized this running away, denying that I needed to go to college, denying I needed to that child that was disobedient, who was still retained and could win all the prizes, finally stepped forward and said, we're doing it. And, and uh, just the last thing, I remember I was in college. Uh, I went to a, a Eastern Baptist college. This is before the new church. And I was not sure I was cut out to be a, a student. And I was sitting in chapel, and as I stand here, I heard a voice inside of me that said you're going to make it and it was from and that was freshman year of college from that moment on I proceeded on with a conviction it's doable that resistance that command resistance I had melted into the obedience that's my story that doesn't necessarily mean but I do remember that meltdown uh, and and that choice to, to listen and be obedient Yes? We have some comment and question from the Facebook live stream. Um, Jonathan Crow says, thanks to Lois and her mom for getting her started. And then Carol LeBaron asks, doesn't Swedenborg say that the celestial angels are motivated completely by love? So if they have to think about it, then aren't they in the spiritual as they're thinking about the love first? Perhaps being only human, we cannot imagine being solely motivated by love since we are bound in the natural world right now. You, can you translate that? Because I was missing the hearing uh, part. That's why I'm moving down to you. <laughs> she says, doesn't Swedenborg say that the celestial angels are completely motivated by love? Yes. So if they have to think about it, then aren't they in the spiritual as they are thinking about the love first? <sighs> the, uh, the, with with the, the celestial angels, they may not know exactly why, why the Lord... Um, is, is asking them to do something, but they cast that aside out of deep love for him to say, I'm going to obey. Uh, so they may be in a, uh, a state where they're not celestial, celestial, but I think the, the, what carries the day for them is their willingness to obey because they know the Lord is right. Yay, yay, 
nay, nay. I mean, that, so uh, the, the celestial heavens just, uh, I, I marvel at how obedient they are to the Lord because of love. Then she asks, perhaps being only human, we cannot imagine being solely motivated by love since we are bound to the natural world. And that's partly why we're all here, are we not? We came, we left, we're here for a week, things are happening, we're trying to build up our resources to go back out into the world. And that's why I think these lectures are so wonderful that it gives me a spark. I can remember Bill Wolfenden gave a class. It was called the ABCs of Swedenborg. Any of you remember that? (laughs) It was the most wonderful. What he did was he came in and he said he had a chart. Vocabulary of every study has a vocabulary. Has a vocabulary. And the vocabulary, and he took like providence and Baptism, all these words, or maybe proprium, or some of the Sweden, you know, Latin words, and made them come alive so that when you're reading the writings, it meant something. And he had a he had a comparative religion uh, course that he gave. I mean, he talk about remembering. What he did was he said, "This is what." Uh, well, let's just pick it. This is what a Baptist believes. This is, what, and he wasn't quoting from he was quoting from the Baptist source. He was quoting from the Hebrew source. And, and he gave us a chart on an issue that, and then the last chart was, this is what the doctrines of the new church say. And that was a fabulous course as well. So um, I think that Freiburg, and that's why I keep coming back if I get an invitation, because I love this place and it was very, very formative to me. And I can feel the celestial angels working with the spiritual angels and the natural angels uh, the whole time we study together. We love each other and we love the, the teachings. So uh, that, that uh, celestial uh, motivated, uh, that whole thing, I just, I think we capture a bit of it here. I just wanted to uh, mention the concept of trust. Okay. Uh, because for me, I was thinking about the times when I resisted change or wanted something I knew I needed to change, but I really didn't. Um, and I had to learn that I didn't need to be afraid. I just needed to trust that it was going to work out. And so I think the idea of obedience, when I, when I just hear that word, I think of you're just going to do what someone tells you to, whether you, you know, whether you agree or not. But to me, it's if, if you trust the person, then you will do it because you know everything will be okay. Yeah. So it's not just, um, and even in the military, imagine that you learn to trust your commander because they're going to be taking care of you. So there's just, to me, another element of this is why I'm going to follow the Lord because I trust that everything's going to be okay. He knows. And and love comes smack back into it. Trusting means you love the person that you're willing. I mean, I I just, uh, again, Peter was walking in water as long as he had his eyes on the Lord, and he began to sink in the water. And I love the phrase, and it says, and the Lord immediately put his hand out and pulled him up out of the water. Immediately. didn't, oh, I'll let you sink in your own stew for an hour or two. Immediately. So I trust that the Lord is going to immediately, from the celestial, spiritual, and the natural, 
So I do want to obey, and I, I don't want to litter. Yes, Martha. I was thinking about the celestial and that question that was asked, and they said, maybe aren't they kind of in the spiritual because they're knowing? I think they, you know, a small baby, a really little baby, and they don't know maybe the feeling, but they're absolutely consumed with their parents. And especially the mother who's nursing them and everything. But there's just that. They're not thinking uh, why I love this person. They're just, they're just in it. They're just there. And I think that's, they've come up through. And by the time they get to be celestial, they're not saying, uh, I love the Lord because I know this is true. It's just pure, simple love. That's why they're there. And my trusting is, is, is this. The Lord knows everything. No one can fake him out. Yeah. So I'm reading the word, and I'm including the writings in it from my tradition. I'm reading the word. I believe it because the Lord said it. And uh, I have that confidence. He's not going to mislead me. But you've already you known that. And so by the time, so at some point uh, in the heavens, in your celestial, you, it's just love. Yeah. Do you know? I mean, the truth is there, and you know you believe it, but it's just complete love. It's been turned to that. I mean, it's come from down here, and you've gone all through, and it's returned. It's those remains that yeah. he put in you as, as when you were born. Yes. I, it, am I making sense? Yes, yeah. you are, Martha. Yes. Yeah, you're making a lot of sense, Martha. <laughs> and, and I'm just thinking about the innocence of a baby as opposed to the innocence of wisdom, the innocence of a life that's been led and no longer needs to question, that just loves, that yeah. just knows it. I mean, I love the way you put it. Beautiful. Yes. Well, and if you think of the word obedience, what's sort of the negative of that is blind obedience. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. so that's partly what we're talking about is we don't have blind obedience in the Lord. And that's the part where you don't trust. You know, you're just expected to do something just because you're told rather than having the trust. I, I'm amazed what the Lord does with my memory. In other words, uh, the, we're taught in the writings, <clears throat> there's not a single thing that happens to us that gets lost or is eradicated. Uh, and the Lord... Tut, I mean, they're called remains. You remember that. They're, only the Lord knows where our remains are. Hell doesn't know where they are. I don't know where. He only, and when there's a time that something in our lives has to be touched, the Lord touches it. That's a preface. I remember, again, I was in England as an enlisted guy. First time I'd ever been out of our country. First time I'd been away from family and friends. And I was in that process of making that decision. I was on uh, one of the English buses, you know, the double-deckers, and I had a seat on the lower level, and uh, the bus stopped, and on the bus came this little child singing at the top of its lungs beautifully, Jesus loves me. And I was touched. Uh, I thought to myself, as an adult, I, I wouldn't think of getting on the bus singing Jesus loves me. I mean I would have been so, you know, 
worried about, yeah, what would, but I, I was touched by that. Okay, so I get off the same bus, and there's a guy walking along with a placard, one, you know, where there's a sign on the front and a sign on the back, and on the front he had, I'm a fool for the Lord. And on the back it said, whose fool are you? <laughs> I don't know how many people were touched by that sign. I was. And I got thinking about the fact that, yeah, isn't the Lord wonderful? Uh, whose fool are you? Uh, and, and it was part of that process of where I came. But the Lord was there, and I had to be somewhat alert and alive to pick up the sign, I'm a fool for the Lord. Whose fool are you? So I just, I'm, I'm amazed at, at how the Lord just was constantly finding creative ways to say, George, you know, here's, what I, here's my mission for you. Uh, and I do love telling the story. You notice the first opening hymn that we sang, I love to tell the story. Uh, that's me. Uh, I just love that song. Uh, is it 10 of that we're to start? Yeah, about one more question. Okay. By the way, may I use some of this moment to say you guys are very special to me and Lois. We love you dearly and we can't wait to always be with you. And you, you are an inspiration to us. So thank you very much. Thanks.